Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This message was given by Peter Christofides at our Kubalup campus. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Well, folk, we start a, a new series today called uh, The Surrendered Life. The Surrendered Life. And uh, part of that series uh, are a couple of challenges uh, for us to face. And so this week I want to speak about the road of suffering. You go, well... <laughs> That's not for me, thanks. I'm in Perth in Western Australia. Uh, can you speak about all the good stuff, not the bad stuff? Um, part of the good stuff is the surrendered life and uh, at times feels like a road of suffering. Folk, um, a couple of years ago, our, our car broke down and we went to go and buy another car. And so we went to this one area, uh, shopping or the one car dealer and we go, wow, this is a really nice car. Excellent price. Uh, sadly, it felt like that was uh, the car without wheels and the engine because then they start adding things on. And I think from buying a burger to a box of matches, it's not always what it looks like. And so if you'll look in this next picture, you'll see that Yamo burger on the left-hand side, uh, but when it comes to actually getting what you're supposed to be getting, I don't know about you, but it doesn't look near that. And so when you say, can I have one of those, please, it doesn't come out looking like one of those. Uh, it looks flat, as if somebody sat on it for a week, and then you will be getting that. And it's all about... Show me the money. Show me the money. It reminds me of uh, the movie uh, where Tom Cruise, uh, in the movie Jerry Maguire, uh, begins to ask uh, about the purpose of his life. And as he interacts with certain celebrities, uh, the one guy says to him, shout it out. Show me the money. It's all about show me the money. In other words, what is the bottom line? What is the bottom line? And I want to ask that question this morning when it comes to Christianity. What is the bottom line? Because I think many, many people are happy to, to settle for the basic model of Christianity uh, with nothing extra. So some of the basics and nothing extra. And I want to make it, and I want to make it in just by the skin of my teeth. And so... We don't hear too much about the cost of discipleship. And so I hope that's not too offensive, but I want to be able to share the truth with you this morning. Because I know that the prosperity gospel about, hey, you know, you can have it all, is what fills churches. But when we speak about the cost of discipleship, that doesn't fill churches. Believe in this and it's yours. That's what fills churches. But when you speak about the cross and a little bit of suffering and dedicating of all who you are to Christ, that makes it a little bit different. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that great author in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to die. Scary stuff. I'm out of here. If that's the case, we often want to think. 
Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 to 27. Matthew 16, 21 to 27. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, that shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the Father's glory with his angels, and then will reward each person according to what they have done. We often have a a, a bit of a difficulty to understand this word lose. Whoever will lose his life for my sake. And that word in the original Greek is apolimi which means whoever will destroy their lives, if you like, whoever will render their lives useless or as if their life is to perish and is at ruin, will save it, will win it. And So there seems to be a little bit of a, a paradoxical contradiction in what Jesus is saying here. You see, we live in a day and age where To win is all that matters. To win is all that matters. My boy plays soccer and baseball, and so there is a simple motto that I have for him. Son, first is first, and second is nowhere. God have mercy on you if you come without a medal. Just joking, but there is a half-truth in that. Just guiding him in his sport. I mean, I am a lunatic confession. (laughs) I stand on the other side of the field to where Maria is, and she disowns her husband every Saturday when it comes to sports activities. No, uh, no, that guy, don't know him. Because there is that thought indoctrinated within me from a young age that son to win is what counts. Don't help the other player when they go down. I'm very unchristian-like when it comes to sport. But friends, that's often the indoctrination that creeps into us. You see, a business person who loses a business deal, it gets really nasty. Or when we lose at sport. We've just had incidents this week on national television, uh, about different areas of sport. And it's a tragedy. It often becomes a national tragedy. And we're all affected by it. This world's attitude of the winner takes it all is what creeps in. And I need to watch myself. And as I was preparing for today, I felt convicted. I wonder how I will respond next Saturday. 
By the way, Michael's uh, won their soccer yesterday. <laughs> and last week. Listen, there is that that could become an extreme danger. And so Jesus explains that. And basically what he's saying is that not the winner takes all, but the loser takes all. Now that's quite hard for me to fathom. Because I don't ride around with a bumper sticker on my car, my son is a loser. No way. No way. And I don't boast if he is. I wouldn't be telling you uh, his soccer score uh, had they lost yesterday. But you see, this mentality often creeps in. But what Jesus is saying here, whoever loses his life for my sake actually wins it. Whoever gives his life for my sake actually wins it. And so this morning I want to just have a look at two options. Firstly, the misused life or a life misused and then the surrendered life. Firstly, a life misused. What I mean by a life misused is it's all about me. It's all about me. John Piper in his book, uh, Don't Waste Your Life, uh, talks about people who, who including Christians, actually are, are just playing it safe. They're not really prepared to give of themselves. I picked up uh, this article uh, in one of the books by uh, Peter Scusero, and talking about... Uh, healthy Christians. And he gives an example about Jay, one of their church members recently shared with him. And he says, I was a Christian for 22 years, but instead of being a 22-year-old Christian, I was a one-year-old Christian 22 times. Let me say that again. I was a Christian for 22 years, but instead of being a 22-year-old Christian, I was a one-year-old Christian 22 times. Wow. In other words, happy to settle for milk. Never getting into the deeper things of God. Never getting into the meat, as it were. And he gives a whole lot of other examples of not making progress in life. A life misused, playing it safe all the time. Folks, there's a danger in that. Because there's that, that pressure that says, you know what, why should I get to the top? Yes, I've got bills to pay, but let me just make it uh, into the kingdom of God as I have my bills to pay with not taking any risks in the kingdom of God. And so what I think Jesus is talking about here is the big ego of me, myself, and I. Because it's all about gaining stuff so we can get to the top and the winner gets it all. In fact, the, the people's life goal could be the one with the most toys wins. The one who's got the most possessions wins. Now, I'm not standing up here and preaching poverty, please. I think it's good to have stuff. The danger is when stuff has you. It's good to have money. It's good to have possessions. But when that becomes your God, that becomes dangerous. And so, when Jesus talks about giving of one's life, it's giving... By through, through taking risks, through actually saying, listen, when I get to the top, or as I get to the top, who am I crucifying in the process? Who am I wiping out? And so there are most people, or lots of people, 
who actually that's their intention in life. It's all about pleasure. The next buzz, the next adrenaline, adrenaline shot. It's all about getting there and getting there as quick as possible. And then once you've got it all, you go, what's next? What's next? We see that in a lot of sport. And so people's dreams is to get to the top and to wipe everybody out in the process. And as they get to the top, then they realize, wow, I've actually accomplished nothing. Jesus says if you live that way, you've actually wasted your life because you played safe and there's this temporary reward. The temporary reward of uh, this, this new buzz or that next rush of adrenaline. And Jesus says be careful because you seek fun and you seek pleasure in the wrong place. You see, there's got to be that discipline because our position is attracted to that. As human beings, our disposition is to say, no, I must be careful of that. Paul writes to, to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, 6, and he says, but the widow lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. And so he's talking a, about a particular context, and he says, the person who lives for pleasure, and that word pleasure, spatalao, is the person who lives for luxury with no real goodness in that. Luxury, with no real goodness in it, is actually, he says, dead when she is alive. And the word dead means spiritually dead. The person is actually spiritually dead when they are still living. And sadly, some people don't even know it. They don't even know it. They're on this treadmill to live for the next big toy, as it were, for the next hit, for the next big thrill, for the next new experience. And there is a danger in that. Uh, it's almost like a, a decorated Christmas tree. It looks good, but it's actually dead. <laughs> it's fake. It's plastic. And it looks attractive to the eye, lights and all. But it's actually dead. And Jesus warns against that misused life. But the other option is a life surrendered. A life surrendered. And that's the series about the life surrendered. And basically what it is all about is the life that's committed to the things of God. A life that says, I will do my very best, not just giving in to my position, but my disposition is that I invite God to be part of my journey of growth and life. You see, it's choosing to surrender your life to the things of God. It's what John Piper writes, the opposite of wasting your life is to live by a single soul-satisfying passion for the supremacy of God in all things. If you want your life to count, if you want the ripple effect of the pedal, pebbles you drop to become waves that reach the ends of the earth and roll on into eternity, you have to know one great all-embracing thing and be set on fire for it. For example, the Apostle Paul said that it is his life and ministry were riveted on a single aim. And that single aim was 1 Corinthians 2.2. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
And so there's often that danger of saying, you know what, it's a little bit too hard. But for Paul, he had this single passion, and his single passion was to glorify God. And folk, the word glorify, doxazo, means to make God famous in my life. In other words, he's not just a, a side issue. He becomes a great issue in my life and in the life of my family. And so Jesus said, if that is the case, then you need to deny yourself. The word deny, aparneome, which you forget yourself. You lose sight of me, myself, and I, and my own interests to the interests of others. Now that never means that you uh, deny yourself of, of lollies or sleep or food. Uh, it means to deny the ego within, to deny uh, my intentions uh, and to take up my cross. And I think many times we misunderstand what it means to take up our cross. Uh, we often go, well, you know what, I've got an ingrown toenail, uh, that's my cross to bear. Or I, I keep on getting migraines, that, that's my cross to bear. Or I've got a burden that I have to carry, uh, that's my cross to bear. Or folk, the cross to bear from the biblical perspective is a one-way trip. Because once you take up your cross, there's no turning back. Think about it. When you take up your cross, you don't turn back. No wonder Paul writes in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He was writing from prison and he was actually saying, You know what? I could die tomorrow. I could die the next day. I know that my life is coming to an end. If you look at his trip toward Rome, he, his life could end that day or the very next day. What he's saying, for me to live. And I looked up those Greek words. The word live in Christ are actually combined there. So he's saying, for me to live, it's all about Christ and then he talks about die and gain. There's no separation between those words. Live, Christ, die, gain. And that word gain, kerdos, has got to do with advantage. And so what Paul is saying, I'm living every day as if I were to be dying the next day. I wonder how we live our lives each day. It's as if, is it as if we might die the next day? Or am I saying, well, you know what, if I'm going to die tomorrow, let me have as much fun as I can today. There is a danger in that. And so Paul says, as I live today, it's as if I'm going to die tomorrow. So it's about Jesus and how I live my life in light of eternity. We don't know when we'll pass on, but we live each day as if it could be our last day. And so he says in verse 25 that whoever loses their life for his sake will gain their lives. And that's the paradox. I think of the Old Testament Moses who so many times uh, wanted to do his own thing. And for 40 years at a time, for 40 years at a time, he wasted his life. First time, he, he, didn't fo- he, he, he thought he would be following the things of God. God takes him into the wilderness. 
And so he basically squanders his life for 40 years. How sad is that? But then he finally gets, comes to his senses and he begins to, to follow God. I wonder about you. What are you going to do? Because you have a choice. To misuse your life, play it safe, or to give your life to the things of God. Folk, you can say, well, I'm already following God. I'm committed to the things of God. How committed are we to the things of God? We need to be committed with all that we have. And folk, I say these things because some people are spiritually dead and they don't even know it. And so my hope is that as we choose between the one or the other, we'll realize that there might be a cost. There is a a beautiful illustration called The Cost. And the cost often has to do with a cross. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but let me give you this illustration that I found, because it's pretty profound. A young man from India was brought up in a Hindu household, very strict one, in fact. Due to a set of circumstances, this man came in contact with Christians. And he was, of course, repelled by these people. But gradually he realized that they said what they said was true. In these days he saw Jesus revealed and he came to see that he was a sinner who needed a savior and that Jesus had died on the cross to save him and that he might give his life to Jesus. Like millions and billions before him, he fell down helpless before the cross and repented of his sin. When he told his parents he was to be baptized as a Christian, they were appalled, horrified, and told him in no uncertain terms that if he went ahead and became a Christian, he would never see them again. On the day of his baptism, his parents, brothers and sisters, and all his extended family held a funeral for him. And up until that day, I spoke to him, he also had never again seen his family. When I asked the man who he would, would he do it all again, he said, of course he would. He would hate to go through the pain again. Yes, he missed his family, but go back, never. Any cost, any pain was worth it. Just to be with Jesus and at his side was important. In his joys, in his sorrows, in his laughing and in his crying, Jesus was always there. To know Jesus, to follow Jesus, to sit at his feet, to take up his cross and walk with him, to climb the mountains with him, to walk the valleys with him. This was his life. There was no other. He said with a twinkle in his eye and also with a tear that he prayed daily for all his family to come to know Jesus too. There is a cost to follow Jesus, but it's the greatest thing that can ever happen to somebody this side of eternity. As somebody once said when we experienced time in the army, it's the greatest two years that we never want to go through again. As we follow Jesus, it's the greatest time. There might be a cost and we should do it with no regrets. And as we come to our senses, we realize that that is the greatest thing we can ever do, to surrender, to give over our lives to God. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that it's not by might, 
nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that as we serve you, we will serve you faithfully in spirit and in truth. Lord, we pray that you will go before us, that you will guide us, that you will lead us. Lord, whatever we do, may it bring fame to your holy and majestic name. Help us to do this, to surrender our lives to you, Lord, no matter what the cost. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329-1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.